chapter 19 of the romance novel Good Enough. This chapter is called Mulled Wine. Within days of returning from New York, Eva found herself on one side of a large mahogany boardroom table, sitting directly opposite Alan. Their solicitors were going through the minutiae of their revised agreement, and Eva's solicitor was strongly expressing his dissatisfaction with the financial information he had received. When they adjourned, they still seemed to be a long way off agreement. There was a divide between them now, and Alan was the one who was building the wall. Eva's solicitor kept calling her and asking her for financial information, and it was beginning to take the good out of her weekend away. The launch of the store should have been at the forefront of her mind, but her asshole husband was overshadowing the build-up to that as well. It was the most that Eva could do to bite her tongue and say nothing when, when Alan came to pick up the kids and take them for the following weekend. She was beginning to despise the sight of him and for the first time in her life knew what it was like to feel hate. The children appeared to have settled into the routine of staying with their dad every other weekend with relative ease and didn't seem to be aware of their tension. Eva enjoyed the quiet of the house when they were gone. As much as she loved them, she needed the headspace and a bit of me time. Just to have a cup of coffee and sit down with no background noise was bliss. Sometimes Eva would sit too long with her coffee in the quietness and depth of her thoughts until it became an effort to get moving again. But she had plenty to do. New ideas for her store came to her from the most bizarre sources and she had notebooks stuffed with them. To read it would be like trying to decipher KGB secretly coded messages. Who but Eva would know that Turkish Delight or Antique Petticoat had nothing to do with sweets or buying an undergarment, but represented the textures, colours and one-of-a-kind finds that she strove to offer in her store. It was impractical to pursue most of her ideas and collectively they read as her ultimate wish list with which to furnish her fantasy Georgian mansion. Losing herself in her lists, magazine clippings, and now Instagram pages too, she could browse happily undisturbed for hours. Reality beckoned though, and right now her reality was busy days ferrying the kids to school, stock taking, placing orders, and doing her best to be out in the front of the shop getting to know her customers. Maggie had suggested that they ask their customers for their names and email addresses so that they could compile a database for preview nights where they would get to buy sale items or new stock before anyone else. Like a VIP list of sorts, it was being added to day by day. Eva enjoyed her work so much that the days just flew by. The one dampener hanging over her was the legal wrangling that Alan had instigated. She tried not to think about it too much but the whole affair seemed to be getting complicated. Her solicitor was asking her for old bank statements, information on stocks, investments, mortgages or loan agreements that she had signed, and to list any property or business interest that Alan had ever mentioned. It was the kind of thing that made her just want to walk away. It was a mess. Vivian must have had a pain in her middle ear by now from listening to Eva going on about it, but if she did, she never showed it. She encouraged Eva to stick it out and to get what she was entitled to. She had brought as much to the marriage as Alan had, and so she should leave with an equal share. The two friends phoned each other all the time, and Viv was still in the glow of her blossoming romance. 
Eva saw Daniel frequently too, as he often popped into the store for a quick coffee and to catch up, and conversation always came around to Vivian. The boy was smitten. The pair of them had been away for several weekends together, and Vivian thought that he was going to ask her to move in with him. And this was discussed at length with Eva, even though he had yet to ask her. The discussion would usually take place over the phone or during a hurried coffee break at the restaurant next to the shop. Or sometimes they'd have lunch in the small office at the back of the store. Eva would bring a flask of homemade soup to work whenever she found time to make it. In between spoonfuls of soup or whatever they were having, they would discuss the ongoing hypotheses of whether Viv should move in with Daniel. The day before the official launch, they caught up over a quick coffee in the restaurant next to the store. He's definitely been hinting strongly about us moving in together, Eva. Do you think I should? Viv asked. Hmm. Yeah, you're right. It's too soon. But I didn't say that. But you were going to? No, I wasn't. So you think I should then? Well, maybe you should wait. Yeah, you're right. It's too soon. I should wait. Viv, I never said that. I think you should go with your gut feeling and do what will make you happy for now. Don't think about six months down the line or whether it will work or not. Just do what feels right for you. Hmm. What? I'm not sure. Right. So do nothing then. And besides, he hasn't even asked you yet. And the two of them giggled at the absurdity of the conjured dilemma. Anyway, enough about you, Viv. Wait till you hear about the latest in my love life. Sebastian emailed me again. Eva confided quietly. Again? How many times is that this week? Every day this week. And what did he say today? Well, today he said work was busy. He asked how the kids were. Was I busy? And oh yes, please come to France and he would teach me to ski. And oh, he also asked, who is my favourite painter? Your favourite painter? Yeah, like an artist. Well, I didn't really think it was your decorator's number he was after. So who is it then? Haven't decided yet. I'd go for Picasso myself. But Eva, what did you say to the skiing question? You have to go. You have to. Viv, I can't. And you know full well I can't. Well, I know it wouldn't be easy, but you would love to go, wouldn't you? I'd give my right arm to go, Viv. You know that. But it's just mission impossible at the moment. I don't know whether I'm coming or going with work and all the legal nonsense. I couldn't just disappear off for a skiing trip. So why don't you book something anyway? And you could always cancel if it didn't work out. I couldn't do that. So when could I go anyway? Eva replied despondently. What about the new year? Doesn't Alan have the kids for then? Oh, don't mention that asshole to me. That bad? I think I'm beginning to despise him now, Viv. Sure, I told you all about this Lister stuff. I know, but don't let him stop you from living your life. What do you mean? Well, this skiing trip. Sure, if he's minding the kids for New Year's, couldn't you take off then? He's taken them to some hotel in Rosslare for a few days before they go back to school. I don't know, Viv. Wouldn't that come across as very extravagant of me to be off on a skiing trip? But it'd be perfect. 
she you don't have to pay for the flights. The expensive part of skiing is the gear in the lodge, and surely Sebastian would look after all of that. I know, Viv, I can't. Why not? Sure isn't he always asking you? It's not that. It's just financially. Sure I mightn't have a roof over my head by then. Of course you will. What does the solicitor say? Very little. He just keeps asking me for more and more paperwork, and I'm sick to the back teeth of it. It's really getting me down, not knowing where I stand. Anyway, forget about it. You'll just have to wait and see. You and Daniel are coming to the launch on Thursday, aren't you? Wouldn't miss it for the world, girl. Will there be food there? Finger food, little bite-sized canapes, but it should hit the spot, so don't have anything to eat beforehand. Just come straight over after work. I could do with the moral support to help me calm the nerves. What are you wearing? The dress I told you about that I bought in New York with Elaine. Oh yes, that sounds very glam. I'd better dress up for it, so. Anyway, I'd head, better head back to work. Text me. Bye, hon. Eva savoured the last few mouthfuls of soup, contemplating their conversation, and then sent a quick email to Sebastian. Hi, Sebastian. I have yet to decide who my favourite painter is and would need to visit a few more galleries to educate myself first. As for learning to ski, perhaps early in the new year, what do you think? A click and it was gone. Vivian's fault. Yet again, she regretted sending an email so hastily, but it was out there now and there was no going back. Another email came in for work and Eva had no time to ponder the possibilities of a skiing trip any further. It was from the warehouse to let her know that her shipment from New York had arrived. She emailed back with instructions to send everything that had come in down by courier first thing the following morning. The day before the launch saw Eva arriving into work at the crack of dawn to get the shop ready. Nora was going to get the kids their breakfast and look after them, taking them to school, so that Eva could make the most of her last day of preparations. She started by taking everything off the shelves and wiping them down with a damp cloth to freshen them up. Next, she started to unbox the New York shipment. PR guy called in mid-morning with some last-minute details, and they went over the caterer's menu. He was flirting again, and some of the staff noticeably fawned over him whenever he was around. Lord help the girl that marries him, thought Eva. He'll always have one eye on the other side of the room. Well, a wandering eye probably wouldn't cause a problem. It's where his hands and other bits and pieces would be that might. Michelle in particular was so blatantly throwing herself at him that Eva couldn't help but shake her head. Closing up time came and Eva stayed on late, turning her attention to her newly arrived Christmas decorations from New York. She was pleased with her decision to stick to the shop's theme colours of plums and gold. Baubles and pears, angels and bells, fairies and stars were all unwrapped and glittered and sparkled before her eyes. The white porcelain set for the 12 days of Christmas was delicately wrapped in tissue paper and Eva put them safely to one side in the back office. She set about filling glass bowls and vases with mixtures of the two different coloured Christmas decorations and sprinkled gold stars onto the white shelves. Damson balloons floated skyward, delicately strung with gold ribbon, and the place was as ready as it would ever be. Eva slept that night, dreaming of powdery white snow slopes, 
littered with gold baubles and porcelain turtle doves weaving patterns through frosty skies. On the day of the launch party, Eva kept busy, putting the finishing touches to the store shelves in between serving the customers, but her mind wasn't on the job at all. Her nerves were shattered and she kept going back to the office and making phone calls to remind people to come. She tried to calm herself and reasoned that at least half of those that she had invited had replied to say that they would come. Shutting up the shop an hour early, Eva retreated to the back office to change out of her trouser suit and into her dress. It felt even better on than it had in the New York changing room. Accentuating her blue eyes with copper and gold eyeshadows from a Charlotte Tilbury palette, she repeated the mantra, less is more, less is more, as she added the tiniest hint of gold glitter on top. Time was pushing on, and when the caterers arrived, Eva set to work helping to prepare a space on the table for mulled wine, vodka and cranberry juice cocktails and another table for the food. Various tasty bites filled large white serving platters. There were delicate cheese straws, canapes of chicken satay sticks, goat's cheese and parma ham wrapped together in crispy pastry, and other savouries that included pork and cranberry pâtés, fig crostini with melted stilton, sitting beside an equally appealing array of bite-sized desserts. The caterers had come equipped with a neat little mini oven for the bites that needed warming up. Mini mince pies, dark chocolate and cranberry biscuit cake and rich chunks of Christmas cake would all be washed down agreeably with mulled wine or whiskey laden Irish coffees. Opening the doors at seven o'clock with a mixture of trepidation and excitement, Eva welcomed a few of her neighbours who had arrived as a group together. They eagerly accepted glasses of mulled wine and wandered around admiring the store and complimenting Eva on the decorations. Vivian had come earlier to help out and now stood sipping a glass of mulled wine. She was wearing a chocolate brown mid-length Fendi dress with a deep V-back teamed with three-inch heels. Admiring Viv's style, Eva was glad that she had glammed up as the room filled with even more well-dressed women. Christmas cards played subtly in the background and Eva did her best to greet everyone as they came in. PR guy was earning his salt big time and arrived with a journalist and photographer in tow from a well-known fashion magazine that also had an interior section. With a glass of mulled wine and a room full of friends, neighbours and customers from her VIP list, Eva felt relaxed and confident as she spoke her few well-rehearsed words and then proudly cut the plum-coloured ribbon emblazoned with the words living and dining, etc., in delicate gold letters to officially open her new store. She was warmly congratulated by her accountant, her solicitor, and even a representative from her bank. Mary, her mother-in-law, had arrived with two of her friends and oohed and aahed at every turn, promising to be in before Christmas to pick out some gifts. The photographer seemed to be flashing every few minutes, and the journalist quizzed Eva about the sourcing of many of her items on display. The mulled wine and hot whiskies flowed and the food gradually disappeared until the crowd began to dissipate and the caterers wrapped up for the evening, leaving behind a couple of bottles of unopened red wine. Eva felt euphoric and went in search of a bottle opener for a quiet celebration now that things had wound down. She nearly lost her life when she opened the back office door and briskly closed it again, scurrying back to tell Eva what she had witnessed as she tried to stifle her laughter. 
she whispered to Viv that she had just seen Michelle and Pioorgai shagging in the office. The pair emerged within minutes, oblivious that Eva had witnessed their antics. It was hilarious to observe their attempts to behave normally, carefully avoiding each other as they gathered their belongings and said goodnight. Eva had no doubt that they would be meeting up around the corner and that Michelle would be in for a repeat performance. While it was totally inappropriate behaviour from a professional, Eva decided to say nothing and to just let it go. Pior Guy had, after all, done a great job, and all going well, he probably scored her some great publicity. Eva didn't think it was worth bothering to reprimand Michelle either, but she certainly wouldn't be leaving her in charge of the store on her own anytime soon. The second day of December saw Eva in early to work again. This time she had a vicious hangover, a pair of rubber gloves and a mop and a bucket. While the caterers had done their best to clear away most of the evidence from the night before, there were a few carelessly strewn half glasses and cups around the place and the floor was absolutely filthy. Viv had stayed with her well into the small hours, toasting the success of the evening and they had drank way too much red wine. Eva set to work fastidiously mopping the floor with a throbbing head until the old wooden boards gleamed again. That morning was ferociously busy with one sale after another and Eva popped a couple of paracetamols to help her through. She was just about to go on a lunch break when she got a call from her solicitor. Hi Eva, it's John. Well done last night. The party was fantastic. Thanks, John. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. What can I do for you? Eva knew fine well that a phone call from him was never a social one. Yes, Eva, I'd like you to come into the office today sometime if you can manage it. Well, I was just about to go to lunch. Perfect. Uh, come straight over and I'll order in some sandwiches, he said, hanging up. Perfect, my eye, muttered Eva. The last thing she needed to go with her hangover was some more legal shenanigans. Being in possession of every bit of banking and financial detail that Eva could lay her hands on, she couldn't imagine what more he could possibly want. Some of the records went back 10 years or more, so now what? Well, she didn't have to wait long to find out, and after a five-minute drive in her Jeep, she was sitting across the desk from John. She accepted a coffee and took a bite from a spicy Cajun chicken and salad sandwich as John began. Well, Eva, I've a draft agreement here in front of me that has been thrashed out between ourselves and Alan's solicitor. So just take a few minutes to go over it and to see what you think. I should warn you, however, that you might not be quite ready for everything you're about to read. His tone and words were ominous and Eva drew her breath as John pushed the document torturously slowly in her direction. Eva looked at one of the pages in front of her and then the next. At first, all she could see was numbers. There were different currencies and symbols and they all mingled on the page, merging into a cacophony of confusion. There were plus and minus figures in red and in black and then a bottom line figure. Eva frowned, shaking her head in disbelief. Does this mean what I think it does? Yes, Eva, John replied soberly. Do you mean to tell me that Alan is broke? Well, I wouldn't go as far as to say that he is broke, Eva. But this can't be right. 
what about the properties? All the money that he was investing. I'm afraid it's gone, Eva. Gone? What do you mean gone? If you take the document home with you, Eva, you'll see it's quite complex. But the bottom line is that Alan switched from investing in property to investing in e-commerce stocks and shares, and it didn't pay off. What do you mean e-commerce? Eva was genuinely baffled. I mean shares in up-and-coming technology companies that looked primed to boom but then crashed. What? But what about the properties? Eva, it's all in the report and you'll need to take your time to read it. But you'll see that besides your home and the city centre apartment, there isn't any. So what are we actually looking at? Eva asked grimly. Eva, it's not all bad news. If you read on, you'll see that we've drafted an agreement whereby eventually Alan will sign the house over to you and you will sign the apartment over to him. He will continue to pay the mortgage on your house for now and the child support has been increased as we discussed. This maintenance payment continues until the children are finished college. He no longer wants to withdraw his support for your business loan. That demand is being dropped and it wouldn't have been possible for him to do that anyway as he'd already signed with the bank for that. And he is making no claim in it either. And your inheritance savings are yours to keep. Oh, thank goodness. Eva sat quietly for a couple of minutes trying to take it all in. So let me get this straight. He will sign the house over to me and pay the mortgage and pay increased child support until the children have finished college. That's what we're heading towards now, Eva. He's on a very good salary with bonuses and can well afford to do that. So if you want to ask for more, now is the time to do it. So read it through carefully, Eva. He also wants to pursue a judicial separation. You mean divorce? Yes, eventually, Eva. Eventually in time, he wants to divorce, but for now a legally agreed separation. You have to be two years living apart before you can divorce. Oh. Eva felt floored. It felt like Alan was calling all the shots again and she had no control. She left the solicitor's office with a spinning head and couldn't face returning to work. Instead, she drove out of Douglas in the direction of Rochestown and onwards along the water's edge until she arrived at Monkstown. She parked her jeep and sat on a bench trying to make sense of her situation. She must have sat there for an hour before Viv arrived. The friends found a table in the Boson restaurant across the street, which was one of Eva's favourite lunchtime haunts. But today she didn't taste the food at all as she filled Viv in on the detail of her meeting with the solicitor. Is he sure that's all there is? I mean, could Alan have property hidden or invested money abroad or something? Maybe. I don't know, Viv. But the solicitor seems to think it's all above board. I signed so many papers over the years without looking at them, but still, this all now makes sense somehow. When I look back at how cautious Alan used to be about money in recent years, I'm thinking that he wasn't being miserly at all. He was probably just worried. Well, I hope you're not feeling sorry for him, Eva. I don't know what to feel, to be honest. I'm shocked. But I have misjudged him, though, Viv. I had painted him as a right Scrooge in my head, and in reality, he, he was just being careful. 
He could have told you, though, Eva. Maybe he thought I wouldn't want to know. I mean, there was me, living like we were loaded, splashing out on expensive clothes and lavish weekends away. He must have been having regular mini-strokes with the way I was blowing it. You were not, Eva. You were never extravagant with your spending. So now what happens? Well, he's no longer trying to pull his support for the business. And it's too late to do that anyways. It's all signed up at the bank. But now, having the house as collateral for the business puts a whole new perspective on things. In what way? Well, if the business goes under, I could lose the house and there won't be anything else to fall back on. Right. But even the business is flying, I'd say, isn't it? It is, Viv. I, I can't believe how well it's going. It's just, just as long as it keeps going, I should be all right. It feels like I've taken a huge gamble, though, Viv. Eva, it's working, though. You know it is. Should the place is thriving. And say, worst case scenario, you'd never end up owing that much through your business. Your house is worth a lot of money, you know, Eva. If worst came to worst, you could remortgage to pay off any debts. You'll be fine. Well, I can't back out now anyway. But still, Viv, I really have to give it everything. Do you know what, though? I'm really peeved that I had to learn about this through the solicitor. I mean, Alan must have known that all this was about to come out. Why didn't he tell me? Pride, I suppose, Eva.